Welcome to Happily Ever After, the podcast where we talk about life's big stories. From breakups and breakdowns to icky secrets and happy endings, it's the stuff that makes us human. I'm your host, Hannah Harvey. I'm a writer and a parenting blogger at mumsdays.com. That's M-U-M-S-D-A-Y-S.com. I'd be really grateful if you could subscribe and leave a review because it basically means more people can find the podcast. And I also really love hearing from you. So please do contact me through Instagram at Mumsdays with any of your stories really and, and, you know, how you relate to the episode or even questions that you may want answering. You can find all the details from this episode in the show notes. Hello and welcome to Happily Ever After. It's me, Hannah, and today I'm joined by my new friend, Craig. Hi, Craig. Hello. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming on today. Um, I first came across your story through Sea Dipping with Dip Club, which um, I, it's basically been 19 weeks since Mm -hmm. my very first dip and it was with them. Um, But yeah, they basically featured you on their social media channel. Mm -hmm. And I was like, interesting. This guy's got a a difficult but um, hopeful story, which I really liked. And then I didn't realize when I joined KFC, which is like the early morning dip Mm -hmm. club, that you are very integral to the starting of that. Um, and what was it? I think we've renamed it, haven't we? Now it's been rebranded to something a bit more family Aye. friendly. So obviously it had a mallet swear. Yeah. Um, so obviously at first we were coming up with loads of names, and I don't know, my brain's just constantly going, you know. So um, I thought of King Eddie's, and then I thought Cold Water Therapy. And I was like, I, I need to add an F in there somewhere, and I'll have KFC. So then I added the word fucking for some reason. <laughs> But then I obviously had to change it for fabulous because there was people who, you know, I think not that they don't like swearing, but, you know, it's a bit more family friendly. So, yeah. So it was originally King Edward's fucking cold water therapy. And now it's fabulous. Now it's fabulous, darling. mm -hmm. Yep, exactly. (laughs) Um, And we have within that group, there's like a WhatsApp group and we've all sort of started sharing our stories Mm -hmm. and connecting with each other, which is amazing. And it was through, like, the first couple of weeks, you would be posting videos as you were, like, walking and doing your stuff and sharing the days when you're like, I can't fucking get there Mm because there's stuff going on in my life. But I just loved how open you were, so I just thought from then, I was like, please, will you come on? Mm -hmm. Obviously, so now we've made it happen. But, yeah, how did the group start? Um, I went to Dip Club with uh, Lindsay and Rachel. Uh-huh. So initially, obviously, my sisters went travelling now, but my sister used to come dipping with me and Rachel. And then obviously, with what happened with Rachel um, and Hudson, I said that I would look after her and try and get her as many dips as I could. So then there was like five of her, and we decided to make a... Well, I made a sort of WhatsApp group with Lindsay, and then it just started building from mm-hmm. there. People were, um, you know, passing the message on, and then there was about 20 or 30 people turning up. And I was like, God, this is like, you know, I never dreamed that it would be like something like that. But then when you look at all the friendship groups, it just sort of like happens by itself. There's no like force needed. Like you've got the lads who are lads, you know what I mean? And then the lasses go out together. Mm -hmm. And then as a group, we've like had bonfires and marshmallows. All the kids have met each other. And I just think like it's what you need. Do you know what I mean? You need like a good support network, regardless of whether you're in recovery or not. I feel like. You just need that in general life. 
so then obviously it built up and then we decided to do um monday wednesday and fridays and then fridays what always seems to be the big one where a lot of Everyone people can turn up i so i must admit yeah, i'm finding the hard getting there at the minute um it's not anything to do with like weather or i just life gets in the way i don't know yeah you know what I mean? but yeah so for context we meet first thing mm-hmm. for sunrise yeah so when i first started coming i was setting my alarm at 4 30 a.m mm-hmm. and that's pretty early aye it's not so bad now but obviously yeah it the sunrise is much later so we're actually dipping in the dark mm-hmm. yeah, yeah i know <laughs> i mean it, like you say in the summer i think it was it was special you know what i mean like watching the sunrise yeah. and, and i think it's a sense of achievement the fact mm-hmm. that you know that potentially there's like 20 people there up at half four in the morning ready for the sun and and just getting the benefits of cold water therapy so mm-hmm. uh, I'm, just, I'm really proud of the group and uh, I love everyone that's in there so great and mm. then so um Rachel for again for context she lost her baby mm. in was it? it was about 14 weeks ago I see now maybe yeah. longer um so and you know Rachel because she's friends with your sister. She's best friends with my sister, yeah. And Lindsay is a nurse who trained with Rachel, yeah. and so that's how they know each other. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Just so everybody's like, yeah, who yeah. the fuck is Rachel and Lindsay? <laughs> I know them obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, they're both nurses and yeah, work very hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then you've also got a whole group of lads that you've already been dipping with for a long time. Yeah. And so how did you all get to know each other, and why did you start? Um, I played for a football team called George Street. Um, it's the same place where I go to me gambling meetings, and it's for well, it was a team for people with addictions, whether it was uh, drink, gambling, or drugs, and it was created by Dan, and obviously Dan uh, goes to KFC dips, um, dip club, and so on and so forth, and um, he wanted to try out cold water therapy, because um, he said that it aided muscle recovery after football, so. We went down in November when it was freezing, turned up with a plastic bag and we just looked like so so out of place. Everyone had dry robes and that and I just said, oh, what am I doing? Yeah. Uh, went in for 20 minutes and I was absolutely freezing. It was fucking Baltic, you know what I mean, like in November. And um, and then Trevor started coming along, um, Dodsy started coming along and it was just like everyone that I sort of hung around with, we all sort of like do the same things together so we do we're running together we do a dipping we do you know everything else and then um that led to going to obviously ice guys so ice guys is like a men's mental health um dipping group and you'll find that when you go there everyone's there for the same same purpose and it's like a bit eye-opening because you just think that they're turning up because they're like going in the sea but it's it's a lot more to it mm-hmm. a bit deeper you know as you as you as the weeks go on you find out more about people and uh, you find out that they're in a very similar boat yourself. Yeah, so, exactly. Mm-hmm. I haven't really, I don't think I've met anybody who gets in the sea that hasn't got mm-hmm. something that they're working on and something yeah. that they're probably struggling with. Yeah. Like everybody turns up with their story and they throw it in the sea. Yeah, uh, basically. Uh, like, I don't want to go as far as washing away your sins, but I suppose it's sort of similar, you know what I mean? It's like cleansing, cleansing yeah. yourself. So that's where I look at it like. So it's coming up to two years since your last bet. Yeah. Um, and quite a few of the lads that come have had, are in recovery. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but yours specifically is gambling. Yeah. I know you've quit drinking and all that kind of stuff mm. as well, but it started with gambling, right? Yeah. Um, so when I was 15, as early as 15, um, it was sort of like a norm. Um, I used to get like scratch cards for Christmas. Um, I was old enough to go into a pub and I think my first ever win was a thousand pound off a pound. Um, <laughs> I when I was sixteen, so I won like a thousand and sixty-seven pound. I still remember the name of the horse and everything. Um, something that'll never, obviously, never leave us. And then I think that thought process thought, right, you've got to quit off a thousand pound. It's easy, so, you know, and then <laughs> easiest money you'll ever make. Ah, and then they just snowballed. Um, sort of tried many times to stop. Went for months on end, but then I would always try something different, like lottery. And then I'd think to myself, right, because it's not football, it's not betting, but it was gambling. So anything that I sort of, it was like trying to create like a, I don't know, like a false, something false in my brain to say, you know, because you're not doing that anymore, you can try something else. So I would stop lottery and I would do scratch cards and then I would stop scratch cards and I would do a raffle. Do you know what I mean? It would just yeah. it'd be one thing after another. And um, I think the chasing feeling, that's when it starts getting bad, like when you're chasing your money. So, for instance, you you could put a bet on and in your mind it's already won, but it hasn't. Mm-hmm. And when that team lets you down, you've already spent that money in your head and then you have to try and claim that money that was never there, if you know what I mean. Yeah, it, so you... Are going so like, into it being like, oh, I've already paid for this thing, but I know it's fine because mm-hmm. I'm going to win this bet. So, for example, I had a bet. I remember it clear as day. It was um, it's called both teams to score. So, basically, you need either team to score in the game um, throughout a 90-minute period. And I'd put £2 on, and it was for an £800 stake back. And seven of the teams had came in, and I was waiting for like a late kickoff. And uh, I had £800 spent in my head. I was like, you're going to get this, you're going to get that. And the game finished one nil. So I had to try and claim back eight hundred pounds in my head. And that's just the way um certainly my brain worked, but I think when you go in these rooms and you explain these scenarios, you can see people nodding as if to say, I've done that. I know what he's talking about. So like, um that's what led us down to the path it did, you know, all, all these times chasing fake money that was never there. So Okay, but do you think you were also chasing that initial feeling of winning that £1,000? Because I'm trying to relate it to something like the first time you take drugs or the first mm. time you get really drunk. Like, I is don't know. It a connect, is it a similar kind of endorphin rush that you're seeking or is it you're now in an absolute fucking trap of, mm-hmm. I, think it was a trap, I need right? to make that money back because I need to pay, you know, Robin... I basically, I Robin, Robin, Robin Paul, Paul uh, Peter, Peter Paul. Yeah. Uh, um, or a bit I got of asked this question not, not long ago and I feel like, I feel like the desire took over the rationalised thinking side of it. So, like, what I knew was wrong, I would always, um, I would always want to just keep, keep going because the desire of wanting to press the button or the desire of ticking the the scores as they came in was just too much. Like, that feeling, like, I can never put it into words, the feeling. And, like, even when I go in the saying stuff, it's like, yes, it's good, but it's never be as high as what I felt like when I was gambling. Mm-hmm. 
and I think that's why obviously when we say we try to replicate it's not like trying to replicate it it's just I don't know trying a new trying to find a new habit to sort of at least attempt to get to that yeah do you know what I mean which is why obviously I love running and, and the dipping and stuff but um I just think it's um accumulation of everything obviously you do try and win the money back that was in your head um but ultimately I think it was the just the desire because it, it wasn't it didn't even come down to money at the end like I was betting on anything Egyptian football, Iceland, Icelandic volleyball. It was, I wasn't even bothered. Like if I'd won, it would be the worst thing for us, because the buzz had gone, the buzz like of waiting for it to come in had totally gone. So I could win like a thousand pound, and I'd be devastated, because the whole, you know, like walking into the betting shop, writing it out, waiting for it to come in. It's like you build yourself up like a volcano, and then, when you win that money, it's like erupted and then starting all over again. So like, the money was just obviously the money you had to have money to to put the bet on. Yeah. But winning the money, sometimes was the worst thing, ever, because you'd just be ten times worse because you'd want to like go back to zero, to get the. Really. Mm-hmm. So like I've won I've won like five hundred pound on a slot machine before, and when I should walk away and use it for like debt or whatever else, um, I just sit there like a robot pressing the button till it went to zero and okay. I think it's because you're waiting for like you know when the bonus comes in bonus bonus and it just misses and you're like oh and it does it again and you're yeah. like oh and it comes in you're like oh get in but then like see you, you win it and you're devastated <laughs> so <laughs> well, I've got to sit here again I think that's the difference between a compulsive gambler and a normal gambler compulsive gambler is just just wants that feeling not bother about the money Whereas like a normal gambler will put like five pound on to win a hundred, and they'd be happy to walk away with that hundred. Mm. Mm-hmm. It's it, I think it's all different. I think it's different for each individual gambler, but I think the primarily comes down to you. You just want to keep that that buzz going in your head. Do you know what? It's reminding me of um, Deal or No Deal. Mm-hmm. You know, and oh, you the watch people, and you're like. Why the fuck are they not taking the uh, money? Oh, uh, I'd say that all the time, I. And they're like, I'm going to go for it. Mm-hmm. And you're going, no, why would you do that? You've got to leave now. You've got all that money. Mm-hmm. No, I totally get me brain. Like, even now, like, I'm nearly two years down the line, I could be watching a match and my brain began. God, you would have had over two, two and a half goals or you would have had Harry Kane. Do you know what I mean? Like, you just can't stop it. Mm-hmm. And it's not, it's like, I feel like, um, now I treat it as like um, a filing cabinet. So like them thoughts are locked away and I never let the lo- the filing cabinet open. Whereas like they're still going to be there. I'm yeah. just not letting them, you know, manifest and um, let me walk in that betting shop. Whereas I feel like last time I just had no control. Like there was papers flying everywhere out the filing cabinet. I couldn't put them, couldn't put them away. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It was just, it was just relentless. And every time I did try to put it, a few of them away, something else would come up and any sort of analogy out can use, you know what I mean, to try and describe it like. How much time do you think you were spending doing this? 24 hours a day, probably. <laughs> like, obviously I was work, I was working and family life and that, but it was, all, it was all ever all thought time. about. Mm-hmm. Like, I would go to sleep thinking about it, waking up, uh, thinking about it. Um, every opportunity, like, you know, I'd say, oh, do we need milk? Yes, right, champion, I can go on my phone. Or I can go to the betting shop. There was times I, w- I went, 
I took twenty pound to get my hair cut, and uh, the barbers is before the betting shop. But once I'd made me mind up that I was going to the betting shop, yeah, no stopping me. And a twenty pound haircut cost us five hundred quid. <laughs> so did you get your haircut? I did in the end. I, I did. I actually walked away with five hundred quid. And that was like one of only a few times. It, it, it's mad because like I say the. There was a lot of the times where I wouldn't, and I'd watch it go to zero. And then there was other times I feel like it was like the rational side going, how oh, are you can pay a bit of your debt off, yeah. And then, obviously, I think that rational side now is just like me 24-7 now, like the real Craig, you know what I mean? Like, see sense all the time, but, like, I think it was like 5% of us back then, whereas, like, the desire and compulsion was like 95%, just taking over all the time. Couldn't even sleep, couldn't... I was just so out of shape and just everything. Just everything took a backseat. I, I wouldn't shower for days and you know, just not look after my health and that. It's just it's embarrassing talking about, but in a way, like it just shows you the, the extremes that you go to. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. So there's nothing to be embarrassed about. I think um people experience it with all sorts of different addictions. Mm. And I can definitely relate to that. <sighs> You know that feeling just before you're about to like eat an amazing meal or mm-hmm. have a drink or yeah, that's the chemical. It's there's a yeah. whole book called The Chemical of More, mm-hmm. and it's about the dopamine release that you get. You don't even need to do the fucking thing. You just need to think yeah, about it and it. think you're going to do it, mm-hmm. and it releases the chemical. But obviously, you need to you then yeah follow through yeah. Um, and I remember being like thinking about drink in a very similar way. Mm-hmm. and then that like skipping to the kitchen because yeah. I've made the decision that we are going to have a drink actually even though it's Tuesday night mm. yeah that's what you guess um, and it's what you do afterwards and, and getting yourself out of it mm-hmm. that's been like just fascinating to see you and the guys and what you're actually doing yeah. with your recovery I find it a bit um, overwhelming sometimes like when I look at all the things I've done I think like how can your brain be so fucked <laughs> like fucked up to now being like so focused you know what I mean yeah and it's overwhelming as well to have all that clarity <laughs> mm-hmm. and peace like I remember the other day I'd set my cold tub up and I sat in the garden for 10 minutes just and I found it really hard I think it's because I've had so much chaos going on in my mind and in Everywhere, my stomach and everything that I find even peace hard. I do. Yeah, I do too. Like, I sit there and I go and, like, when's, like, something going to happen? <laughs> do you know what I mean? My, when I first left my ex, because um, he had issues with uh, drink and drugs, mm-hmm. um, and my brother was saying to me, you're addicted to the drama. Yeah. So I'd quit drinking, but I'd replaced it with, like, trying to fix him mm-hmm. in some ways. Yeah. Um, and so when you then start removing that thing that was distracting you from whatever it is mm-hmm. inside, yeah. Um, and you're left with the <laughs> just you and this vacant feeling, mm-hmm. you're then like, well, what am I going to do to distract myself now? Yeah, I oh, get it. Um, I've been an anxious person for so long, and I feel like this year and a half that I've been in recovery. Um, I struggle a bit like sometimes um, I feel like my brain goes like why are you why are you sitting in peace like what 
why are you doing that? Like, we need to be anxious. Mm-hmm. And, like, I'll create something out of nothing. Like, whether that's a heart palpitation or... Do you know what I mean? Like, I know it's probably just, like, overthinking and stuff like that. And I, I am, like, gradually getting better by doing, like, meditation and breath work and that. But, um, God, some days it's, like, really hard. Yeah. Like, really hard when you've been like that since you were, like, I don't know, 20-odd. You know, and it would take 10 years and you... And I think that's what people keep reminding us of. You know, I've only been in recovery for a year and a half, so I can't like expect to like be cured overnight. Yeah. And um, but I feel like in regards to my anxiety, it's getting it's getting there. Like, and obviously, yeah, that's why I do the videos. Mm-hmm. So I feel like it helps us. I feel like putting a face to words is better than typing a message sometimes. Mm-hmm. So I feel like people can see the the feeling in your face, or like how you actually coping on that day because it's hard to say I'm having a bad day but if you know I physically see it and I'm on the on the video I feel like people can sort of relate and I think that's why I try and be true to myself now and I don't just say all the good days that I've had I tell people when I'm struggling because what's the point in you're just being fake then you're not being true to yourself so <laughs> I just try and help people that's all I want to do that's really good because it's in those days when you're like oh my god I had one of those yesterday where I was just like don't even know what to do with myself or who to speak to Mm -hmm. um but then you know when you're this is my business yeah you know I'm trying to work on getting better and I find sometimes I have to come back to those darker days when I'm feeling better so that at least I process some of it and I can Mm -hmm. that's when I I write because I'm like if I can write it all out then it makes sense for me yeah. And then hopefully I've got a message of hope as well as like, oh, that was really shit. Yeah. No, no, I get that. I, I, I've just started journaling myself, do you know what mm. I mean? And I feel like when you look back on, say, the day before, like, obviously memories stick for forever, you know, but, like, when you journal something, I feel like just, like, a quick reflection of what you've done and stuff like that. Like, so I've I done, done my biggest ever run yesterday, mm-hmm. furthest ever run. And then I've got, like, an app where um, it's got, like, how many days I've been gamble-free and stuff, but there's an option to journal on it. So I've just, like, added a journal yesterday saying, like, what a fucking achievement, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then I just looked back today and I just smiled. And I thought, like, that's all you need sometimes. Even if you're having a bad day, and just have a look at the stuff you've done and just be proud, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. so what made you finally say enough is enough two years ago? We'll come uh, it was accumulation of obviously everything. I didn't want to continue hurt my family. Um, Did your family know? What, as in, like, that I had a problem? Yeah. Um, well, I'd try to stop when I was 24. So I went to Gamblers Anonymous when I was 24, and I got a year coin, but I didn't want to do it for myself then. And I know I didn't. I know I got, like, sort of pushed into the room, you know? And... Um, Obviously, complacency creeped in and started betting again, and and that led us to like seven seven more years of, of absolute destruction. And then um, and were you with your partner that whole time? Yeah, but I wasn't like um, gambling all the time. But it was like I would sort of give myself like nine month, six to nine month periods of where I wouldn't do anything, and I'll go right, you're right again. Yeah. And then it would just like I came to the realization like obviously. My last bet was the seventeenth of December, twenty twenty one, and I came realization on that day that I can't just put like a pound bet on. 
you know like it's that that's just the way it is it's like all or nothing approach and um i remember sitting in my living room and i was just staring at the white walls i like literally remember this day the day i die and i just like sat there just crying i was like is this what my life is like is this what my life is waking up gambling looking after my family working and then essentially just dying you know like like that's that's what I thought my life was and um I don't know what made this date I I really didn't because I remember the the day before I was um I just got absolutely hammered like it was on a Christmas night out of work got absolutely hammered didn't come in at eight o'clock the next morning oh my god and uh I bet on the I, don't know, I was like European football on then and I didn't know if it was just accumulation of being like you know when you're not thinking clearly when you're hungover. Uh, I wasn't like you know, still drunk, but like I've certainly um, you know, the effects of the alcohol were still there, and uh, I just went upstairs and just told Dania, and I just said, look, I says I've um, got something to tell you. I just said I'd been gambling again, and I just says I didn't want to. I just says I don't want to die to this disease. You know what I mean? I really don't. Like I've, I felt like if I didn't tell her there, I probably wouldn't be here now, and that's God's honest truth. Like I just. Amount of times I thought would kill myself, like so many times. Um, Why did you feel like that? Just because I just felt like I couldn't. Because all them times I tried to stop, couldn't. And you still couldn't. And I thought, like, I've tried Gamblers Anonymous before. Like, what's going to be different this time around? And um, I always, like, this past year and a half, and I've proved it to myself and everyone else, like, whether they believe it or not, different matter, but. The butterfly effect's been unbelievable. You know, like, I went into the room and within two months I met Trevor. Hmm. And Trevor's like, he's like, he's like my brother. Like, he really is. He's like, like me so much. And then met Dan and met Dodzy. And I was like, where were these people at 24? When I was 24, you know what I mean? But then I think maybe I had to do that seven years to get to this place now. Yeah. Um, and then as the months were going on I was thinking fucking hell I'm so glad I didn't kill myself you know what I mean I'm so glad I didn't follow through because life's worth living and then when I started putting myself forward for all these things I'd done a charity boxing match I'd done I went to Wales and had a life coach for the weekend and um, just all these other achievements that I've done the cold water dip and the, creating the KFC group and then coming on podcasts I just think like, I never thought I had a purpose in life. Like, I just thought I was existing. Mm-hmm. I just thought I was going to exist and then, and then die. And then when you hear people, you know, like yourself, mention the fact that it helps you and, or it inspires you or whatever, gives us, like, goosebumps. You know what I mean? Because I feel like all I'm ever doing is talking and being myself. But ultimately, um, I feel like that's my purpose now, is to help people. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's going to be a job opportunity come along, whether that's five years, ten years, or, or tomorrow, and I'm going to end up taking it, and it's like going to change people's lives, you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, I just think there's a massive, massive stigma around gambling addiction because you're not physically putting something in your body. And I think that's what people don't understand or, tr- or, f- or find hard to understand, which is why I'm determined to get the the message out there. You know what I mean? Like, obviously, I've got a few people along the way helping us and stuff like that. But, um, 
and I, I just, I just didn't want anyone else to suffer, like mm-hmm. I have. Do you know what I mean? I didn't want any more deaths. I know that's inevitable, and you know, but um, all these charities that you that you hear about gambling with lives and the big step, like they're all based around people who've committed suicide to gambling, and I just think like God, like I think suicide is like underneath rock bottom. You know what I mean? When you can't see any of the light. Yeah. At least when you're at rock bottom, there's like a glimmer of hope. And uh, I'm just glad that... Uh, it's like over the cliff edge. Uh, it's like there's just yeah. no hope. I'm just glad that I obviously didn't follow through, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Have you and Danielle talked about it since? Um, Like the impact it's been on her and... Not really, no. Um, She's very much... She's a really strong woman. Like she, really, like, she re- like she really is. And like, I tell her all the time like how appreciative I, I, I am of her. Um, obviously, I know the impact that it had on her. I could see it, do you know what I mean? And that for me was a barrier in itself to never never do this again. Because mm-hmm. I think at 24, I'd only just like started seeing her. Whereas like now I'm like engaged in two kids, a house. And I feel like it's like if I was to bet again I'm like gambling with their future yeah. do you know what I mean so obviously it had a massive impact on her and I remember like I got kicked out straight away and it was like you know mutual decision but it was more like I wanted to do it to show that I that I wanted to change and um, so I think after about three days I was uh, I was like reading Charlie a book over the phone I was like I don't want to do this man mm-hmm. do you know what I mean I don't want to be that that dad and uh, as the weeks went on, it just the, you know, the, I don't think the trust's ever gonna be hundred percent. And we always say that in the meetings, and you don't you don't ever want it to be, you know what I mean? You want it to just be like ninety nine point nine percent, and then have a little bit of a, a doubt about you, because you've you've got you've got to, you know what I mean? Because that's I think that's when complacency can sort of start creeping in. Do you feel like you've altered the way you behave to her? Like, do you try and show her more than you would have done in the past? Oh, one percent. I just, just in everything. Um, and reassuring, it's communication. Isn't oh, it? There's well, been loads on I, Instagram today about totally. how you communicate within a relationship. Uh, communication. Do you think that's key. improved? Oh, it's, I. Um, do you talk to her when you're feeling shit? Do you tell her when uh, you're struggling? All the time. Um, we talk like more or less. If she's not asleep, we talk about um, every meeting. So, like, obviously, I'll go to my meeting after this. Yeah. And then I'll tell her. And then she's obviously invested in Dodsey's story. She's invested in Trevor's story. And she's mm-hmm. actually become really good friends with them. Mm-hmm. And um, she just loves the journey I'm on. And, like, I'm so lucky because I've heard, like, horror stories where people get kicked out. And, the, you know, and, like, in that respect, I feel really lucky. But um, I feel like she can see, obviously, with the, the videos that I've done um, with Dip Club and all the other stuff that I'm doing, I'm going on all these courses to try and better myself and try and raise awareness. And obviously I've got the walk and then the dipping group and she's just like, and I got asked by my local church today to do a speech on Sunday. And I was just like, do you know what it is? Like things just come at you when you, when you least expect it. Like, mm-hmm. and she's just, she just loves it. And I think she just loves the, loves the, the father that I am now. Loves the partner that I am now, I think. Even though I've done bad things, I think it's turned us into a really good person now. So, 
Uh, I think she's. I think they're all seeing the impact of it in a good way. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. so, yeah I can, like, from the side of, um, I guess I was interested in hearing that side of things because I felt like I couldn't stay because it was enabling and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Um, and obviously you need the other person to be like, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I do have a problem. And I guess that's... I, I think she wanted to help us. I think she didn't want to see us suffer. And uh, I think when I mentioned, like, it wasn't like a sort of guilt trip, but I think when I mentioned the whole, you know, I don't want to die off this, I think she thought, fuck me, this must be serious. You know what I mean? Because mm -hmm. like, when you think about that, like, you know, you, you hear all these stories where... People don't, people don't speak about their problems, and then, and the next thing they're they're getting buried, I, mm -hmm. and I just think I didn't want to, didn't want to be that person. Then, and I. I think the fact that you took action immediately and you went and got help, and now you've got mm. this amazing community of people around you that you still see. Yeah, that's what I really. I don't know. I just love to see it, like a whole group of men that are all really committed to their recovery. Mm -hmm. And you guys are meeting all the time. You're still committed to going to meetings. Yeah. Um, you've just done the Great North Run. Mm -hmm. We've done it all together. Do yeah, you know what I mean? And it was like, incredible. You've got your team around you now, mm -hmm. and I think that's so important when people are going through recovery. Yeah. That you know who you can turn to when you feel shit. Mm -hmm. I think that there's one thing that I learned from 24 is that you can't do it alone. Mm -hmm. You cannot do it. You can tell your family, but they're not like minor people. Yeah, they won't understand because no. they didn't do it themselves. So when, say for instance, if I... Then if I ring Trevor, you go, oh, yeah, no problem. I know, I know exactly what you mean. Or, you know, or we can just go for a coffee. And I think that's what's totally different. Like, it was about three months ago that I got rid of, um, I say friends, probably associates, whatever you want to call them, but I got rid of them from school. So I'd known them since I was 17. And I found it really hard. Triggering. But they asked us if I wanted to go out for a meal. And uh, I said no. And they went, why? And I went, because... That'll eat the drink, and that's not me anymore. And uh, I got a private message saying, "Are you all right?" And I was like, "Why wouldn't I be? Just because I don't want to come out. Just because I don't want to drink." And uh, I just feel like with the likes of Dan and Biscuit and Trevor and that, I could go, just go with a coffee. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, I think, like, what's what's wrong with the world now? Like, why why can't we just go for a coffee or a walk? Why do we have to just go and get absolutely plastered and hammered everywhere and I think some of the best times that I've had, probably in my life, are with the people that I've been in recovery with. Mm -hmm. And it's just like, I don't know, like, I actually miss them when I don't see them. Like, I haven't seen them for like a day or two, I'm like, Trevor, are you? <laughs> but um, like, we talk every day. Yeah. But I think we've literally talked every day, whether it be face, phone, or text. And obviously, I'm in every four WhatsApp groups with them, like, so. <laughs> <laughs> doesn't help I'll be going to touch. what's up anonymous next so. <laughs> yeah that's it I went for a walk just before without my phone and I was like oh my god mm -hmm. I know because it needed to charge so that we could video this yeah. and I'm like <gasps> such a weird feeling uh, it gets a bit much sometimes but you know like at the end of the day I feel like the groups that I'm in are beneficial to me yeah do you know what I mean like they help me they, they, the KFC group I love it absolutely mm -hmm. love it I love seeing everyone's pictures in there and then um, me and Trevor are admins to the, the Gamblers Anonymous one. So we decided to create one outside of the room for people who aren't confident enough to speak in the rooms. Yeah. So it's essentially a meeting outside of the meeting. 
and then people can put like their struggles and stuff and then we've got one that's sort of everyone that was at the great north run and that's like basically fitness and it's just like so focused everyone pushing each other on it's just just unbelievable like the amount of like personal bests that were done last week it's just so like every time i'm on instagram someone smashed a new pb it's so inspiring man it's like you know i don't know i just can't put it in words like but it's i feel like it's something that i've always never needed but never knew that i needed Mm -hmm. you know what i mean so when i found it i'm like this is what this is what i needed yeah all that time just needed someone to speak to do you not think like I've thought back to the times when I felt really desperate and like, mm-hmm. what's the point in carrying on? Yeah. And it was always when I felt shame and I had mm-hmm. secrets. Yeah. Um. So I can imagine you had quite a few going mm-hmm. on. Yeah. Do you think that took a toll on your body? Oh, one percent. I I mean, most times I went to doctors when I was when I was in when I was gambling because I thought I was either dying or whatever but I knew it was accumulation of stress anxiety you know sleep deprivation whatever you want to call it and uh, I think it just took an absolute massive toll on my body like and I think I'm only just sort of recovering now and like mm-hmm. catching up on all the sleep that I lost and and yeah your mm-hmm. body's like getting used to not being in that state of stress mm-hmm. which then makes you anxious because you're like why am I not stressed yeah and then just whenever you did get the okay off the doctor, he made me go, he's starting to shade. <laughs> so I'd get a second approval off another one. Yeah. And again, he's starting to shade. And it was just like, yeah. And then, but I, the, the gambling assist, the thought process just took over everything. Mm-hmm. Like, like I say, you just, your hygiene took a back seat. You are eating takeaways all the time because you couldn't be asked to cook. And uh, you never treat yourself because you always wanted your money for something, for the bets. Mm-hmm. And then you started selling things, and so, aye. Boring. Boring. And then take money out of birthday cards, and aye. Um, like I say, it's just something that I'm not proud of. Like, um, one thing that I talked about a lot early on in the meetings, and it was something that I felt proper guilty of, and I was just like, how can I repay it? But, like, I feel like giving someone a tenner back, it's not repaying them, it's like, like what I'm doing now is repaying them mm-hmm. by showing them that I can be a better person and like I think if I said oh like I've took a ten out of your card like I think I it's, you know it's one of them things it's it sh- shouldn't be done but I feel like I get texts off me and you know all the time my mum saying like how proud they are so I feel like that's me redemption you know what I mean like just making sure that I keep keep this up and keep this going and never going to replace any of the money that I stole or because I, I couldn't even tell you how much I stole so um, I would be selling trainers I, I'd, I opened catalogues I opened uh, JD Williams and studio and stuff like that I opened catalogues to order Playstation games to sell on eBay to then get the money to bet and then I'd be paying the minimum payment on the catalogues right so I wasn't oh my god that's so, so complicated I know but like, you must be like a financial whiz. I was just, oh, honestly, the more tight. Like, so this is why, obviously, uh, if it's already talking about payday loans, um, yeah, I used to absolutely hammer them, like Wonga and Quickwood. And there was one time, and I honestly don't know how how I did it, but like, I'm sure I borrowed like nine hundred pound off Wonga, and eight hundred pound off Quickwood. But I was only getting paid sixteen hundred quid at the time. So then, I think it was only recent years, like a year ago, I got um compensation claim. 
basically saying that it was irresponsible lending. Mm-hmm. So I got like a grand and a half back off Quickway. And I was just like... Are those things gone now? Yeah, yeah. Everything's gone. Okay. I don't have anything like that. No, but I mean, do they still exist? Because it oh, was yeah. like such a crazy... Oh, there's, there's, I mean, I could probably rattle see... off every 10 in my head, like peachy loans, um, bay loans, lemon loans, you know, like they're just stupid names, but like they would just stay in my head because I'd be like, if I can't get any money, more money off Wonga, I'd go at the money shop. If I can't get any more money off them, I'd get them. But it wasn't just gambling. Like I would borrow money off Wonga just to go on a night out because I didn't have any money. Yeah. But that was that was like the sort of mentality I was at. Like if I haven't got it, you just get it anyway. Whereas like now, if I haven't got it, you you don't get it, sort of thing. So like if I haven't got money now, I'm not gonna like buy buy clothes. I'm not gonna put myself into debt to get it. Mm-hmm. Whereas like back then, I couldn't give a fuck about my credit rating and out. So I think I've, I've learned a lot from the gambling phase, like and and borrowing phase, and um, I've actually got money in my savings. <laughs> Thirty pound and five pence. That's okay. So it's it's better than nothing, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, so definitely. But Got uh, to start somewhere. Uh, so, what's been? Th- what would you say like the most important things were for your recovery? Like, what's been the thing that's made um, the difference? So I've done a talk for a gambling charity, and we call them like non-negotiables, and it's mm-hmm. basically like things that you have to do to make sure that you stay on track. Yeah. And um, I think the top... like a daily tick list uh, of Well, stuff. no, it's just like, I think the... So for me, I made sure that Monday was my meeting, regardless of whether I was like, you know, um, had a job booked in. Coming on a podcast. Do- uh, <laughs> apart from this, I, <laughs> doctor's appointments, um, I would make sure that I would change them. And I think in like almost two years, I've only missed one meeting. And that was because I had COVID. Hmm. And uh, I think once that becomes a habit, because like, I don't want to slag people off, but I feel like some people come in and they'll not come back for six weeks. And then they'll say, oh, I've, I've had a relapse. And I'm like, "Yeah, you know why though? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, they don't say why, but like in my head, I'm like, you know why? Because you haven't made the effort to come to the meetings when you get told to. Um, and you might be like, I know it all already, it's fine, I don't need to go. But it's nothing to do mm-hmm. with whether you know it or not. It's your commitment to yep. your recovery. Aye. So number one is always go to your meeting on a Monday. Yep. Communication. You have to speak um, with your... just anyone. Obviously mainly a partner, but also your support networks. Um, so like the lads, for instance, we put a lot of like the sort of videos that I do but we put them in amongst our chat and just basically, like, if we're having a bad day, we'll put it in. And then people will comment on it and like it and give them advice. But I feel like when I look back, the amount of videos that I never sent to people would have all just been staying inside you. Yeah, it's the shame thing. It relates uh, back to would have just stayed in there and stayed in my head. Uh-huh. And then the amount of stress I would have been under was like incredible. So the fact that, that if I'm having a bad day now, I can just literally rattle it off and it's done. Um, so, like, communication, that, that'll be my second one. Um, talking about how you're feeling, talking about the meetings. Um, just talking about general shit, really. Um, <laughs> and I think third one, um, 
third one is probably your support networks. Like I think I said previously, you kind of date a lone one. Like you need like minded people around you, and whether that's um, people like minded people who you have like an interest with, whether that's the cold water dipping or you're running, but ultimately, if you've got an addiction, you need people around you with that same addiction because they need to know sort of how you're feeling and you know how you're acting. Because there's been times where I've messaged people out of the blue going, are you all right? Because you don't see myself. And they'll do it to me. Mm-hmm. And like, I know that I'm just having a bad day, but I never communicated with them. I never told them. So like, it all just sort of comes together as one and communication and your support network are absolutely crucial. And like, I honestly don't know what I'd do without them. Like, like I just, I feel like all these people, like Trevor, Dan, Dodgy, they're all just put there for us. And then they'll probably say the same. You know, if you ask them, they'd probably go, nah, but like we just click so well. I mean, there's other people in their meetings and I feel bad sometimes when I'm talking about like how we've done the Great North Run together. But then I think, why should I? Like, it's just it's just the bond that I've created with them. Yeah. And it's not like it's not like I, I left them other people out. It's just, that's how it is. You know, I've slept, I've slept over at Trevor's and everything. We've had a lad's night in and <laughs> we've been at Rio's, we've had coffees, we've been trips away and it's just, I think that's all I ever wanted. And I feel like when I look back to my old friends, I used to be the, always the one who was getting like hammered constantly, feeding the shots, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, I just think back now, I was like, now it is. They just took advantage. I simply took advantage of us. And I think like now, I, I, I love nothing better than having a dip and having a coffee. It's like perfect, perfect morning. Mm-hmm. So... And a very long very run peaceful. to get there. Aye, aye, basically, aye. I'm saying off at four, I'll see you there. I know. I think if I if I had one more thing, I think discipline. Discipline's, are, like for me, anyway, discipline's Discipline crucial. in what? Um, Just I feel like if you say you're going to do something, you know what I mean, do it. Like it's, a bit, it's more like, obviously, accountability as well, but like the whole fitness side. But fitness has been huge, hasn't it, for aye. yours? Like, and I guess nutrition, are you looking mm-hmm. after yourself? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so I do like my fitness pal, track all my calories and stuff like that. And I, I feel like when you're in recovery, um, you have to take the mental side of it first. You have to start looking after that. But then you realise that you, you you let yourself go. And then you think, wait, I need to start. So, so once I think your mind and your body are on the same track, you, you start to become like unstoppable, like. Mm-hmm. Um, like I mentioned that the group that I'm in with the Great North Run it's like so inspiring the people in there like it's incredible like um, Dan ran 18 miles I'd done 17 miles there was a 10k personal best broken a day there was a 5k personal best and we're all trapped with calories we're all losing weight and it's just like I mean if you added up all the weight loss between me I think you're looking at nearly 200 pounds maybe and wait since like Christmas, and I think, now like, all we're doing is just running and gymming and walking and such simple things, but it creates discipline and creates habits. And uh, if anyone's watching, I, I recommend Atomic Habits because it's a class book, really good. Really. Mm-hmm. Yep. Oh, um, okay. I listened to that on Audible, and it was just it's that really, really helped it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm, okay. 
I have I've read like other people's notes on it, but never read the book. Oh yeah, it's really yeah. good. Okay, so if someone's struggling with addiction right now, mm-hmm. or has a partner who's struggling, mm-hmm. um, what would you recommend they do? Um, I think obviously first of all you have to admit to yourself that you need that you need the help. Um, I think when I obviously sat there staring at them walls, I think that was me succumbing to gambling addiction, you know, and seeing I need, I need, I really need help. Like, um, don't know whether that was a pride thing or ego thing, but um, I feel like you just once you admit you need help, then you can start sort of get things put into place, mm-hmm. and then you can start looking for your meetings and. You can tell your partner that this is the route that you're going to go down. And I think, obviously, you've got the NHS Gambling Clinic. You've got gamblersanonymous.co.uk. And if you type in your postcode, it'll give you the closest meeting to your postcode. There's um, three meetings on a week at Newcastle, Monday, Tuesday and Thursday. Um, and I f- finally, I feel like you need to want it, mm-hmm. not... Yes, you need to sort of accept the help, but you need to really, really want it. And I think it would see when I stopped and I told Danielle, it wasn't a prolonged period before I was in the rooms. I was in the rooms within a day. Mm-hmm. I think it was like maybe a Saturday or a Sunday, and then I went to the rooms first thing on a Monday, and I basically poured my heart out of a room full of strangers. And I think that's what puts a lot of people off going to these rooms. Um, but they're the best thing that ever happened to me. I mean, I've got the tattoo on the back of my leg. Do you know what I mean? Like, and it's, it's that room sort of, it did save my life. You know what I mean? Like ultimately, obviously, I've want, I've wanted it, and I've accepted I need help. But the people in them rooms, the stories that you hear, trying to keep yourselves going, it's, it's inspiring stuff. And when you hear some of the stories, like, there's been many a tears in that room and you know celebrations and you see people coming back that haven't been for years and you wonder what what went wrong and then you start thinking about what went wrong for you but I think three things just you need to accept you need help look for your rooms and communication so that's that's any really advice I can give and I'm hoping that Maybe if someone says this, that they do come into the rooms from it, and they realise that it's it's not as bad as what it seems. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean, the first so, step is always the hardest. Mm-hmm. It is, huh? But I think one meeting turns into two, and then next thing you know, you can be like me and nearly get your two year coin. You know, so it seems like yesterday when I walked in the room and and I look back now and I just just smile every time because I know that I know that I deserve it, mm-hmm. and that's a, not like a vein or cocky way of looking at things I'd, I know that I've put the effort in um, I've chaired the meeting chaired the meeting like three or four times now and I just feel like people are looking to me do you know what I mean sometimes it's like a, not like a guide but like I don't know maybe that's that's why I feel like my purpose is helping people mm-hmm. so I feel like that's the vibe that I'm getting off of those yeah, like they're yeah. looking, looking at me for answers and I'm like just follow you've me you've been there and you've, huh? you've managed it and you've noticed mm-hmm. what you needed and went out and got it uh-huh. and committed to it as well mm-hmm. like if I've got a few people in the rooms people that I still there now 
and I'm proud to sit amongst them going like you know they're here so like not because of me but I mean like you know they got in contact with me and I sort of tell them what needed to be done and and then it's not just the the meetings they they sort of follow my habits so then they get into cold water therapy and then they mm -hmm. try to see for the first time and they think it's incredible and then they start running and then they'll do it the next person exactly so pay it forward mm -hmm. just like a ripple effect isn't it yeah so, so we have got a walk coming up mm -hmm. haven't we yeah it's so on, along um, these kind of stuff <laughs> of like raising awareness and mm -hmm. I guess getting people together and aye it's just I mean I think what sort of opened my eyes a bit was the I went on a walk um, last year it was called the big step so basically it's trying to do a protest into the big sort of football clubs to get gambling advertisement off their shirts. Mm -hmm. And we marched like 18 miles um, to like three of the major clubs in the northeast. And I thought like, what what if I can do like a, little, like a sort of little scale of that with the following that I have, you know, like the dipping groups and and all that. And um, I suppose it's like out all or nothing, but like once I had this sort of vision in my mind, I like had to go through with it. So I got in touch with Calm, who was like a charity, like a campaign against living miserably, mm -hmm. and just basically told them what the what the crap was, and they sent us out t-shirts, badges, flyers, and then um, I managed to get in touch with Joe, and Joe goes to my meeting, and he does flyers, and then he made the flyers for the walk, um, and then I I just want to raise awareness in regards to the gambling addiction, because mm -hmm. like I say, I think it's a very touchy subject even in 2023 um sort of raise awareness alongside suicide because obviously suicide and gambling addiction come hand in hand mm -hmm. and um just if anyone would like to come along and dip as well um it doesn't have to necessarily mean in, in, in addiction but if your mental health's struggling you're, you're looking for a sort of group to get involved with come and join us the qr codes on the on the leaflet so mm -hmm. Starting at nine o'clock, nine o'clock Saturday, the seventh of October, starting from King Eddie's Bay at the top of the stairs, and walking all the way along to St Mary's Lighthouse and then back, and then optional dip for whoever wants to come in. And I mean, we've raised one hundred eighty-five pound, you know, and like, then I just I don't know I don't know what I visioned, but like, I just want these flyers to go out, and it, one flyer may go to someone who secretly has a problem mm -hmm. and then they go, oh, right. And then you see, that's all it is. It's about helping one person and that's all I ever do when I do these things. And I ultimately helps me, helps me massively. You know what I mean? Like the fact that I can speak about this openly and I know that it's going to get watched and listened to. And I think in the past I was a bit of a uh, bit ashamed, you know what I mean? Like where I was like, I don't know, talk for a charity, um, and I sort of used my name as Mark. Used my name as Mark and I didn't have a photo hmm. because I didn't want people to notice me. But I was like, now, commit myself to do these. It's it's more a case of I'm proud of what I've done and where I am to being ashamed of what, what I had done because that's gone. That's gone now. Mm -hmm. um, it's always going to be there as like a reminder, but I'm never going to let it like eat us up. It's more a case of like what I can do now in the future to better myself and... I'm just going to um, go on as many courses as I can. I'm going on a suicide awareness course on Friday down in London. So it's all paid for by the 
gambling charity, so looking forward to going on that. So. Amazing. Well, yeah. I'm really looking forward to coming on the walk with you. I drag as many people along with me as I can. I I think we've got some good numbers so far by the sounds of it. So, um, so if anybody wants details about that, mm-hmm. they go to your Instagram, Instagram which yeah. is at Craig Tamman. Uh, T for Tango, A <laughs> M for Michael, P for Papa, I for Indigo, N for November. I do that all the time on the phone because people go Tam on, Tampax, oh. and I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. I wish I could just change my surname, but like at the end of the day, it's unique. It's so. very unique, and I will link to all of that in the show notes. And you can also find it's, you can find the, what's it called, Just Giving page. Yeah, I've it's pinned. the very first thing that's linked from my Instagram as well. Yeah. So if you go into my Instagram at Mumsdays, then it's um, the first link mm-hmm. when you go through that. Yeah. If you want to just give us some money or if you want to come along, it's mm. on the 7th of October, 9am, King Eddie's yeah. Bay. And if anyone wants to give us a follow on Instagram, you're more than welcome because that's where my recovery journey is. Uh-huh. So you'll you'll see the real me, you'll see everything that I've done and everything I'm going to achieve. So this is just the beginning. So, mm-hmm. Well, thank you so much for being so open and for sharing that. No, okay. We'll get Danielle on next time and hear. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, aye, that'll be funny. <laughs> Not. <laughs> Bless her. And, uh, she must have been through it. Oh aye. Um, but yeah, thank you so much, Craig. No, it's okay. See thank you at the next dip. Aye. Yep. Thank you very much. Thank you. Cheers. All right then. Thank you so much for listening, and I'll see you again next time for another episode of Happily Ever After with me, Hannah. It would be amazing if you could leave a review and subscribe. And of course, if you've got a friend who might enjoy this episode, please do pass it on. For anything else, you can get in touch with me through Instagram at mumsdays or by my website, uh, mumsdays.com. And did you know that I've got a newsletter? So it's the best way to stay in touch and to make sure you don't miss any podcasts or any freebies or competitions that we're running. And again, you can sign up to that through the website.